on the just baseball show so we're going to recap the week that was we're going to give you the uh well i guess like the status report on all 30 teams in major league baseball jack mcmullen arm layton and again today is monday april 18th uh arm just made fun of me because i brewed myself some tea right before we started recording i didn't know that tea uh, was not manly enough for baseball oh. podcasters <laughs> yeah that's what it always has to go to right I, no, we, we delayed the start of this podcast by about three to, to four minutes so that you could brew your tea. Uh, well, I, no, I, I've got an electric kettle. It took about 90 seconds okay. to boil the water. And then I poured it over the bag that was already in the mug. And now I'm just waiting for it to cool down a little bit. My, my joke more so is because I, I really thought deep down this was like a broadcaster's thing like uh, oh i i my vocal cords have been strained over the last few weeks i'm a podcaster and a play-by-play guy and and so i want much hot mic and I, I read a book from joe buck and, and joe buck recommends that you drink hot tea with lemon to soothe your vocal cords and, and keep them up because you know broadcasters they're just like the athletes you got to take care of your body <laughs> I've heard so many of those lines from like my broadcaster friends and I'm like, hey, stop, 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 stop. There you go. Nothing like the athletes. Nothing. No. Um, the only thing that's similar, I would say, is is the climb through the minors, typically. The climb through, well, the, the travel in season, yeah, because you're constantly The wages, the living situation. Oh, the I, minor league living wages, for sure. I think it's similar. very similar. Like to, to get to where you have to go, um, I, I think it's pretty similar. I'm not saying that it's as hard. But I'm saying no, like, it's nowhere the, near the, as hard. I think the day in and day out is just as hard. Um, aside from that, it's not a broadcaster thing. The one thing that I do that I did learn um, was in a bottle of water, if you drop a cough drop into your bottle of water and let it dissolve, um, that gives you like a, an extra lubricating water. So it, it's like enhanced water. So you do that you know, during commercial breaks and you come back and you feel like a new person. It's like drinking a cough drop bit by bit. It's like lean for broadcasters. Yeah. It's broadcaster lean. That's exactly what it is. Um, I also you think Joe Buck's got like 10 of those in there just getting a little buzzed up during getting the leaned out. Let's go. Um, Hey, before we get into baseball again, I feel bad because earlier this week I music shamed you and oh, I'm so yeah. sorry about that. It's okay. You know, it, it's, it's one of those things that, we, we are, I think as people, you know, sometimes we, we just feel like if, if it's different than our, our takes and different than what we enjoy, it's, it's wrong. Um, but yeah. I'm glad you learned from that and, and you understand that there's different likes across, across the world. Yeah, of course. Um, and you know what, if you like milky chance, I have to be okay with you liking milky chance. Billions of people do billions, not really, but they have billions of streams, 10 million listeners a month, I believe by Spotify. Okay. Um, it's a great band. It's a great band, um, but also a lot more enjoyable to listen to than the K cast. What is it? What is it? K Rod. K Rod. 
which is dumb because it, that literally was the nickname of a pitcher. Francisco a Rodriguez. Francisco Rodriguez. Who, by the way, is like fifth all-time in career saves. Yeah, very underratedly fifth under all-time in saves. Uh, well, for the, for the K-Rod cast, you know, I mean, very impressive. Michael K. earlier today called the game in Baltimore, Yankees game at 1 o'clock, right? Yeah. Then he's got the K-Rod cast right now. That dude finished the game, left the stadium, took a Uber private car, most likely. Yeah. Took a helicopter, flew in Uber, and now he's doing whatever that broadcast is. I haven't tuned into a second of it, to be honest. I've, and, and I know people are, and I'm usually a defender of broadcasters in that regard, but this is more of a criticism on the producer sign for, to do this uh, K-Rod cast. But I just thought about it from this, from this lens. They flew a broadcaster on a helicopter to make it to another broadcast. I don't think any broadcaster is that good. Unless it's Vin Scully, nobody belongs in a helicopter. And that's not a slight of Michael K. Like, good for you. Imagine how much this guy, how much money this guy must be making for him to be doing two a days on different in different states. Like for him to be doing that, the ESPN must be shelling it out. Like, good for him. And it's not criticism of him. I just don't think there's ever a broadcaster that's that important that you're helicoptering in. Because the last thing I'll say on this, because I know you're a believer in this, is I never like broadcasters that make it about themselves. I'm not saying Michael K is, but if you fly a broadcaster around in a helicopter enough, I think he's going to feel like the game is a little bit about him too, naturally. Yes, he, he absolutely will. And I, what I will say is that only happens to the highest profile people. So, you know, Joe Buck will, will fly charter. He'll fly like a private jet through a wheels up or something. If, if he's doing the MLB postseason with the NFL slate. Um, so Joe Davis, if he's doing the NFL slate with Fox, he's the new voice of the world series. Um, he will get flown by a company like wheels up or maybe sun country yeah, it's the world series. It's the world series. So you're saying K rod, um, you know, that I'm going to, you know, refrain from like thoughts on that. Um, because, <laughs> and here's why, like, I'm not, I'm not bitching around this thing. Like I'm not going around it because like I want it, but the reality is I want it. Like everybody. Yeah, that does no, that's very fair. I, I, we all want it. I would love that. I, I would again, love that. So you think I'm going to be like, no, keep your helicopter. I'm good. No, like, so that's the thing. Would you, would you rather sit in traffic or not do the game? You know, no. with, with somebody like Michael K, um, yeah, you're going to MF him because he's getting the private jet. He's getting the helicopter from one game to another, but I'm grinding my ass off oh, right now. So hopefully absolutely. when I'm 55 years old, I can do that. I can get on a private jet and go to go from game to game has nothing to do with Michael K and everything to do with the fact that we thought we make broadcasters that important. Like, it's just wild to me. I, I like, again, awesome dream gig would kill for that. Um, and he has earned every bit of it. I just think it's so wild that we're investing that much into broadcasters. It's pretty cool. I guess it's just wild. To me. It's cool for me, a broadcast. It's cool for you, a broadcaster, but like, it's yeah, I understand. See, like, my, Here's my, my final thought on it. I really feel like, and maybe I just don't know what it's like to be at that level. I really feel like if that was offered to me, I would be like, why? 
like I, there's like even now there's some moments where we we have some cool things on on a one one millionth level of scale like even getting invited to mlb's hq i had right. that moment of like why <laughs> like and then you know, i thought about it i was like oh we've worked hard this is awesome so yeah, i'm sure but- michael k feels that way too but if someone's like oh we're, we're gonna fly you in the helicopter i'd be like why that's Why wouldn't because, you just get someone else? Yeah, so that's because you and I both deal with big-time imposter syndrome. Um, yeah. We think that we don't really deserve anything. Um, and we're just <laughs> except like, for ratios. Except for ratios and, and bad reviews. That's- exactly, exactly. Except for one star on Apple Podcasts. By the way, don't do that. So Please. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean- Sorry, our fragile egos. I, I think that's part of our problem, where we're just like, no, good things- they should not happen to us. We only no. work 60 hours a week. We need to be at 100. <laughs> and we cover baseball. It's not even a real job. Yeah. There you go. So that's that. Uh, speaking of covering baseball, we should probably start covering baseball. I think I we're, mean, what, like 14 minutes into this podcast. Um, we're going to give you kind of the, the status report on every team in Major League Baseball. It's going to be rapid fire. It's going to be a lot like what we did last week. We went by schedule. We talked about, you know, the matchups of the opening weekend, but that's because it was the opening weekend. So do you want to go by like current standings in each division? We want to tackle it that way. I was going to still go matchups. We could because there's no interleague play yet. Yeah, let's do it. Let's go matchups. Okay. Yeah, because I just think it's a cooler way because it's like what just happened between those two teams and it kind of clues you right into the trend for both of them. Yeah, that works for me. By the way, there is a little bit of interleague play. I see San Francisco oh, and Cleveland here. Nah, whatever. Burn, whatever. zing. Whatever. All right, uh, that, you, that one, you can get that one then, and I'll take all the National League matchups then. Perfect. Okay, I'll handle the AL. Um, you want to start with my White Sox? Yeah. Sox are 6-3. and three. They just lost 9-3 to Tampa today in the series finale, but Dylan Cease looked good. Michael right. Kopech looked good. Problem is nobody else looks good. Vince Velasquez allowed a, a crooked number in the first inning and Tampa tampered, but Tampa is looking a little weak right now. Both teams I think are going to be just fine. And both teams are going to be forces. Uh, and we don't even need to spend too much time. I think really talking about the struggles of them. Here's the thing with the white Sox that makes me a little bit more concerned is right now you kind of have two question marks in the rotation. They'll get better there as they get healthy. Uh, but Vince Velasquez cannot be making many more starts. He shouldn't make one more start. And, and I think that you can find somebody to fill in. I would rather see Lopez even fill in at this point. He looked good in certain spots. Yes, Ronaldo Lopez looked good. You say there's two question marks. Who are the three sure things? <laughs> I was kind of just assuming somebody's going to come back relatively soon. But I mean, maybe Giolito lins yeah. out another six weeks i think giolito might be i mean they might extend him another 10 days if they don't great but right now it's it's cease Kopech, and then vince velasquez dallas keichel and jimmy lambert yeah so so those three guys are going to be a big problem i mean you are you are at a disadvantage two out of three times maybe three out of three times lopez could fill in commands a little shaky i, I really think the pressure is kind of on to try to go make a trade, but how many teams are trading young pitching right now or even just pitching period? It's going to be hard to find a team that's selling starting pitching. Uh, And that's what puts them in kind of a tough spot. They got to survive. And I think that the White Sox are really just going to try to tread water. And what they're doing for the most part here is they're hitting, which is all right. And that's what they'll have to do. And the bullpen's going to have to step up and hold leads because if they have a lead, they better hold on to it because you know, two or three out of the five days of the rotation you're going to have a disadvantage from the jump. Um, Shane McClanahan, nine innings, three earned against him, punched out 15. Corey Kluber, 
nine and two thirds, two earned runs against him. That's a sub two ERA. So, I mean, Kluber's working the Tampa voodoo here. Um, I thought that was a really good matchup for the White Sox with Tampa, and that's why they took two or three. But um, I, I don't think there are many concerns with Tampa this year. No, I mean, even if you really can't bank on glass now, you have the outside hope he comes back. Shane Boz is going to be back and just fine. Uh, the loose bodies, everyone sees elbow freaks out. Yeah, it's loose bodies. Is they're going to be careful and want to make sure he's good. He's going to be back. He's going to be fine. Um, and then they they still have a litany of arms in the minor leagues that I think yeah. can, can fill in much better than what the White Sox are working with, which is huge. Correct. Patino to the 60-day IL. That sucked to see. He just has not looked right. Um, and, and it seems like he just can't stay healthy. Him and Lamette, ironically coming from the same place, they're very similar uh, with, with just the electric uh, stuff, arm speed from a small body, and just have not been able to stay too healthy. I think Patino could be another candidate to, to move to the bullpen, unfortunately. Yeah, I think so too. I think he's a great multi-inning reliever. I think that's what he is, and he's going to be an electric fastball guy. Um, it would be really nice to see Patino flourish as a four or a five, but each time he nicks something up, I just see that possibility of being a top-end four or five dwindle and dwindle. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, I mean, the good news is he's still extremely young, but but it is a little bit worrisome. The, the good news for the Rays is their rotation is fine. McClanahan's kind of shouldering that load. I'm glad Tommy Romero, he looked bad on his first start. Gets another look here, more in that longer relief situation. But good in two innings, I think he can fill in. They've got a few other guys in the minor leagues that could end up chipping in sometime soon. Colby White, another arm to look out for for the Rays. They'll, they'll be just fine. Yeah. Uh, Toronto just snuck by Oakland. And Oakland got some wins at the Rogers Center. The Oakland A's are 5-5. Five and five. That won't stay for a very long time. But Toronto, yeah, they look fine. Manoa looked eh today. Um, he started strong, but he kind of faded at the end of his start. Toronto, I think, needs to figure it out on the mound because the bats already look like they're all systems go. Yeah, I mean, I was fortunate enough to be at that Yankees game earlier uh, where Vladdy hit three home runs after being spiked or in between. He was spiked in the finger. Uh, he he's taken it to another level. He, he's an absolute force. They have a healthy Springer. Uh, that lineup is going to be ridiculous. I'm not worried about Manoa at all. The command the command is kind of hit or miss at times. But but I, I'm real. I think the Jays are the team to beat in the AL East right now. I mean we're we're gonna get to it. But you can see some of the vulnerabilities with the Sox and the Yankees. Both teams will be good. Both teams will settle in. The Rays are good. Uh, will be really good. But you can see their vulnerabilities. And the Rays could get off to a hot start get a little bit of a, of a few game advantage by the end of the month and, and try to run with it. I can really see it if they shore up that pitching. And I think Nate Pearson will be a really interesting X factor in all of this too. One thing to know with Toronto, uh, the duo of Danny Jansen and Zach Collins combined 10 for 23 with three doubles and three bombs. Really interesting. And we know how much the Jays needed a left-handed bat. And instead of getting the big impact one, they, they went more with some of the smaller bats that could come <laughs> big in. Big impact meaning Conforto. Yeah, didn't go <laughs> with that. But Zach Collins is, is a guy that can run into baseballs. And if you put him in the right spots, he's going to strike out a lot. He's going to hit you some home runs. And they're putting him in, in uh, positions to succeed. So I like this team. Uh, I'm really excited to see how, how they continue to figure things out on the mound. But they have enough assets to trade. And if they're really encouraged by this catching situation, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what they decide to do, but they have Gabriel Moreno knocking on the door. Yeah. Oakland. Like, is there any validity here? No, no way. Zero. Right? Zero. So there's always that team that starts hot 
And I'll say, I mean, you have a young team here. That's a lot of guys that are getting their first serious looks at, at the big league level. And, uh, that's been really good for them to, to really have that just fire and energy out there. Tony Kemp swinging it. Well, I think he's turning himself, he's going to turn himself into a nice trade piece, uh, but th- <laughs> there's no way there's no way Oakland can, uh, can really make this thing happen. When an Oakland a plays well this year, they're turning themselves into a nice trade piece. Yeah. Chad Pinder. <laughs> I think that's the hope too, right? Like this team's going to progressively get worse because the second that these guys start to have some legitimate value, we're going to see them dealt. Uh, we know Montes is going to get dealt. I would be shocked if they kept Kemp. And, and I think the same thing with Pinder and some of these other pieces. Dude, Sean Murphy looks so strong to start the year. He looks really good. He already he has like his good. meme of the year, throwing that, throwing that ass back. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Jeez. No, but the bat, the bat, like here's the thing. Catchers, we always talk about it's you got to learn how to catch and hit at the same time, which yeah. is super hard because it's not just catch. Like we know that they know how to catch, but it's handling a big league starter. Uh, he has made those those strides behind the dish. He has been good behind the dish. Now the bat, he's had time to focus on that. The power is legit. And if Murphy gets traded, he's someone whose power I think will tick up a ton uh, in, in a different environment. But he has looked spectacular, as you said, at 27 years old. So Murphy's kind of dealing with the Matt Olson thing, where Olson hit 39 bombs, but the idea of prolific power is there when Olson got out of O.co. Um, like Murphy is never going to be 40 homers, but Murphy is 20 to 25 right now. They can tick up to 30 as a catcher as a if catcher. he goes elsewhere. Give it to me, right? With with good defense as well. Uh, and and better it, bat to ball than most catchers. And don't forget, though, the Oconees are getting remote. <laughs> excuse me, Ramon Oriano back. Oh, true. It's going to be a wagon, dude. Um, Dalton Jeffries, by the way, other Oakland A's news, uh, Dalton Jeffries, newest uh, client of Codify. I saw that on Twitter. So Ooh. shout out Michael Fisher grabbing Dalton Jeffries. Maybe he ticks up. He will. He will. It's how much, how much Michael Fisher's got him. It's, it's just a matter of how much, not if. We know how that works. Yankees blew it big time today at Camden Yards. Five, nothing. The loss to the Baltimore Orioles who are three and six. Baltimore doesn't look good. John Means is on the 60-day IL. We don't need to spend much time on them. Like, they have zero pitching. So anything cool that Mullins and Mancini and Mountcastle and Rutschman, when he's healthy, do, it's just going to be negated by dog shit pitching. Yeah, what I'll say is this, though. I mean, the pitching's horrible. Um, At least they're a watchable team. And I'm setting the bar low, but if you told me, I go, who would you rather watch the the Orioles or the Oakland A's? It's not even close. Um, And and that's because of the offensive pieces that they have in Baltimore. You sent me a video of the Cedric Mullins home run. I mean, he crushed that thing 433 feet. And there was some buzz at Camden Yards too. No, I think because again, I think they see the young core now, you know, before I'm not saying that they're going to sell out and pack it in, but when the Yankees are in town, now you have some young pieces that you can get excited about that. You can cheer and say, hopefully this is the start of something new. You can start to see it coming together. Mullen, Santander, Mount Castle. uh, And and once Adley comes back, uh, they've got some pieces, by the way, Grayson Rodriguez is on a different level uh, and that guy will be up. Thank goodness uh, he will be able to kind of help them on the mound a little bit uh but dude the yankees uh we're not sounding the alarm a handful of games into the season uh but but pretty rough to see them struggle to hit against a bruce zimmerman here and uh this is a lineup that has the star power but 
it's just not as balanced all the way through, I think, as we've seen it, right? Like you have some holes there. If Glaber's struggling, uh, if, if IKF can't really hit even close to what he, he should be doing, which is about a 95 WRC plus, which we're yeah. not even seeing out of him. And then the catching situation, it, you've got some holes in your lineup here if the big guys are struggling. Okay, so I ask you, when was the last time the Yankees had balance in their lineup? <sighs> Never. Long time. Never. But I think there's even I think it's even more polarizing this year. Yeah. I really do because at least when you had those streaky guys at the back end, like even Gary Sanchez, he's gonna if he goes one for ten, it's a home run. If Jose Trevino goes one for ten, it's it's a single. Uh, but the other thing too is is that they're, they they went more on the de- defensive side, which we also you know, gave the Yankees some heat for. So, I mean, they improved catching the defense. They improved the shortstop defense. But is that enough with their current offense? The problem is Gallo, Judge, and Stanton can can stall out together uh, oh, quite yeah. often. And and they hold hands while doing it. They say, "Let's Ex- let's do it together." <laughs> exactly. And that's why Rizzo was such a big addition. Yankees will be just fine. Hicks is healthy and, and looks actually pretty good. Uh, that's a huge development for them. Uh, but again, I think it kind of shows so far in the early going that the Blue Jays are just the more complete team if we're talking about uh, the entire AL East right now. Yeah, stable of pitching is really good. Um, Jonathan Loizaga blew the game yesterday. Um, I'm not concerned about Loizaga. I don't no. think I'm concerned about the arms whatsoever. I think the arms look good. Do the bats carry their weight, which we know for the Yankees, especially in 2022, is more than the arms, right? It's probably a 60-40 split. The the offense will determine their success. A hundred percent, especially with the development of Nestor Cortez. I mean, a friend of the show, Nestor Cortez, has seen his velo tick up. And on Sunday, I mean, not only did he turn in the best start of his career, he turned in one of the best starts. I think we've seen from, I would say, not, not Garrett Cole for a Yankee starter in a while. I mean, when's the last time we've seen a Yankee starter put an outing like this together. I, maybe a Yankees fan could call on something random I can't think of, but not only did Cortez give you an immaculate inning, the cutter was stupid. It was 25 swings on the cutter, 10 whiffs, got another four whiffs on the four-seamer. He didn't even really need to mix in that much secondary stuff. He was dominant. He was absolutely dominant and uh, really cool to see Nestor Cortez succeeding. That is a huge X factor uh, for the Yankees and uh, didn't work out. In this game, you got to score to win, but that, that is huge for the Yanks. He and Seve. He and Seve are everything for the Yankees. And Seve has been spectacular as well. Now, a couple really good outings. I think you got to start believing now that uh, this guy could be back. Let's hope he could stay healthy. 100%. Uh, let's go to Fenway. Red Sox beat the Twins 8-1 in the series finale uh, on Sunday. Um, let's start with the Red Sox. Because I think the Red Sox are going to be as hot as hot and cold as anybody in Major League Baseball. The losses are going to look absolutely brutal. The wins are going to be so fun, and Boston's back, and and yep. Rafi and Bogarts are hitting the ball well. But uh, when they struggle, I think it's going to be really ugly. It's going to be hard for them to get outs, I think, at times. Um, but th- this offense is fun. Um, I-, I love. I love the, the lineup. Talk about a balanced lineup. That is a pretty balanced lineup. And, I mean, Kike Hernandez is going to get going here. He already is starting to show signs of life. And, you know, J.D. is going to take it up a notch. Xander is going to take it up a notch. The fact that they've, they're have they off to a 5-4 and four start with the current state of their pitching, Chris Sale out, 
I think they're going to continue to, to get better and better. Not to mention Trevor Story is a 572 OPS right now. And whether you think he's going to be good or not relative to where he was, where he was, how he was in Denver, he's going to be better than this. Yeah. But the pitching is the big question. How is that all going to come together? And, and when is Chris Sale coming back? Uh, I'm nervous about the the starting and relieving situation for, for the Red Sox. And they don't really have any scouts or geez, they don't even have any really prospects to help either. I, I'm really nervous about the bullpen. I'm very, very nervous about the bullpen. And uh, you said something about Whitlock possibly being the next Matt Barnes in, in the Heim Bloom thing um, where, you know, a reliever gets an extension and then they underwhelm. I think Whitlock's good. Um, but much like Barnes, Barnes plucked together a few solid outings and then he got an extension. Whitlock plucked together a, a good back half of the year and got an extension. I, I like Whitlock a lot. And I mean, he's somebody that they really are betting on here. He's a real five guy, right? I mean, and the Yankees let him go. Uh, they didn't even protect him, which uh, part of that's because the Yankees had a good bullpen. But the, if they knew how good Whitlock was, they could have used him last year. I'm not one to really lock up a reliever after one year, but he was that good last year. And I think it's just also a testament to the desperation that the Red Sox have to hold on to any good relief pieces they have. Good for Whitlock to get his money as a guy that was you know, uncertain to even be valuable enough to be kept on the 40-man roster. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm not, I'm not locking up a, a reliever after one year, but he's been great this year again. And, man, he needs to be that guy the whole freaking year for them to have a shot. Yeah, no, give Whitlock four years, but but four years, 70 is perfect for Xander Bogarts. Good. Um, <laughs> Minnesota, good God, ridiculous. Uh, Minnesota, I mean, they're already being bit by the injury bug, like so bad. Sonny Gray to the 10-day IL. That was nerve-wracking, watching Byron Buxton pull up after that slide. Thankfully, no structural damage. Um, but, I mean, he can't stay healthy, dude. It, it was it, – it, and what's scary, too, is it was one of those things where he was jogging into second and kind of just slid for the sake of sliding. And w- when you're getting hurt like that, it's just – you wonder because I, I had a little bit of hope of maybe if he just takes it back 10% and he's more at 90% at all times in terms of just going all out uh, but keeping things reserved a little bit, maybe he can stay healthy. He was jogging after that fly ball dropped and – like just a routine slide into second base and something's off. I just have a worry at this point that just the, his body's not really built to, to really be able to compete on a day in and day out basis and, and stay healthy. It, it's a good development that it's, there's no damage, but I mean, do you really feel that good? I, I just, I just feel like it's never going to end with him and, and it's the worst feeling ever. It sucks because the, the other guy, what you tried to hedge Byron Buxton with is Carlos Correa, who again had a beautiful 2021 and was healthy for all of 21 and 20. But that guy has the history of dealing with the injury bug as well. Uh, and then Sonny Gray goes on the 10 day IL. We talked about it. it. It's Sonny Gray and Joe Ryan. And then we're in a fit battle between Bailey Ober and Casey Mize. Ober was, was sharp. <laughs> he was fine. He was fine. He was six innings, four hits, no runs, three Ks. Yeah. Casey Mize is, is down with an elbow sprain, unfortunately. So you might get bailed out there. Um, Ober's ERA is down to 3.27. Uh, at what point do you worry about Carlos Correa being in a prolonged slump? Um, I don't mm, give it another week. Yeah, I'm not really. I'm not worried at all. But 13 Ks and 30 at bats. He's hitting 133 
with one home run and one RBI. I think you can figure out where that RBI went, came from um, uh, in a 512 OPS. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, solo home run. Right. Yes. Correct. correct. That's <laughs> where that one came from. Um, and I'll say this though, with the twins and something that I think will help them almost immediately get me Gil Sano out of the freaking lineup, man. Yeah. This guy is, is a black hole for you, not only offensively, but defensively. He booted the ball, really hurt them during the game as well. They end up losing by a lot anyways. Sano's not hitting. He's not defending, that's for sure. Not that first base defense is integral, but it, it can kill you when the guy is incompetent. And you have Jose Miranda sitting right there uh, in the minor leagues. And also when Alex Kirilov comes back, it's worth maybe even moving him to first and throwing somebody else in the outfield. I'd almost rather see Warnick, who struggled in AAA in the outfield, and, and not have Sano at first. They have other options, and until they do that, I think they're going to they're gonna be a little bit inconsistent offensively. First base defense is offensive line play. You don't notice it until it sucks. And then you're like, wow, we have to address this. Exactly. Unless you mash and Sano isn't doing that. I also really think we got to stop giving Nick Gordon at bats here, uh, unfortunately. And so they, they have to cut trim some of the fat. And I think they're going to do that. The offense will get going. Polanco will get going. They'll be fine. Uh, but they need Kirilov back and, and they need to really kind of fix some things with, with this lineup. Cause we said it from the, from the jump, they got a hit to win anyways. Yeah. And they're not hitting. So you right. know, things could get ugly quick for Minnesota. So I, after having watched the St. Paul's saints, the twins, triple a affiliate for the last five days, uh, Miranda looks good. He looks ready. Royce Lewis looks MLB ready. So if you Ooh. want to trim Nick Gordon, go get Royce Lewis and bring him up. Um, and he, you should be trimming Miguel Sano. You should have already done it for Jose Miranda, but Miranda's ready to be a Minnesota twin. A hundred percent. And he fits in because you can move him at third when you want Urshela off for a day, or if he's not hitting, you can put him at first. You can stick him in corner outfield or DH in the bat. I mean, the guy hit 344 with 30 something home runs last year, you know, in the minor leagues between double and triple A. Uh, Miranda could be a big spark plug for them. And I think they're waiting to deploy that spark plug uh, at the right time. Yeah. Uh, LA and Texas, that just happened in Arlington. I want to address the Joe Madden thing, the Corey Seager intentional walk with the bases loaded. Yeah. When Texas was up by one in the bottom of the fourth inning. So that intentional walk put Anaheim down by two. I thought that was bullshit. I thought it was total bullshit. And Joe Madden is credited for being an incredibly smart baseball mind. I think he gets way too deep in his own head sometimes. And the math doesn't make any sense there whatsoever. If Anaheim is ahead in a late game situation and you're really worried about Corey Seager, then I understand it. But in the bottom of the fourth inning, first week of the season, and you're down by one and you're going to walk somebody in to make you down by two. What are we doing? You know, the team that's done that, the team that it's happened six times now. And the team that has intentionally walked the guy with the bases loaded is six and zero. Like, is that the weirdest know, thing ever? It's so weird. Um, I, I I think we're we're definitely over crediting somebody that I think just went totally off a of feel. Um, and, and this is something that that Jeff Conine has talked about with uh, Jack McKeon back in the Marlins in 03. and he's like, oh, Jack was great in terms of being, you know, that, that player's manager, but sometimes he'd make some decisions that we're like, Whoa, what is he doing? And they would work out. 
And so no one really questioned him. Um, and sometimes it's just like that feel thing. So it's hard. Jack McKeon's been around baseball forever and just has that weird gut feeling he follows. And sometimes it, it, it transcends the numbers. It worked in this case. I guess he just had a, an inclination. Maybe he liked this, the swings or didn't like the swings that Corey Seager was taking and felt like he was due to, to blow it open there. I, I don't know. It worked. He did. He said it was strictly off a of feel. He said he liked what Seager was doing. And he also said that he, he felt like his team needed a spark and he felt there like that go. was a good way to give them a spark. He said that that's a way to give him a spark. Did you see Trout's reaction in center? Trout, Trout was like, what's this moron doing? I don't think that's the right way to give them a spark. No, the, the way to get a spark is really to get out of the jam, which they kind of did, or you give up three runs. And you know what you're chasing. I don't know how – I think giving an intentional walk with the bases loaded is the opposite I think, of, of the spark. I think two more runs came in after that. I think it was a sack fly, the hitter following, and then a, a run producing out again. So, like, you're down – what? You you were down 3-2 at the beginning of the inning, and then you're down 6-2 at the end of the inning. If you're going into bases loaded, no outs, I think if you would guaranteed take that outcome or roll the dice – I would roll the dice every single time. I would roll the dice a billion times out of 10. Yeah. So I, I agree. I love Joe Madden. I, I don't think we're, we're just because they won that game. I don't think we're celebrating what was a genius play. I think it was a little bit of just uh, early season kind of fuck it decision. Yeah. That in the grand scheme worked out. Yeah. Um, aside from that, Anaheim looks good. LA. Noah Syndergaard looks great. LA. Uh, yeah. Sorry. The, the LA Angels. Yeah, I think that's what they are now. Did I call them Anaheim? Yeah, I let the first two times sli- uh, kind of slide by. Yeah, that's shorthand though, right? Like Anaheim. No, I, I do it. I still do it too. I still do it too. Well, it's funny because they're like, "Oh, we're coming. In, um, we're coming to you from Anaheim." You know, when they're when they're doing the games, I've heard, I've heard Matt Vasquez and say it. Uh, actually, I, I have a question for you, and this is why I'm slightly optimistic about the Angels of Los Angeles. I really like the way the pitching has looked in the early going. Yeah. First, before we get into it, Mike Trout got hit in the hand. X-rays are negative, thank goodness. Probably will miss a handful of games. Yep. Uh, no pun intended to, to be <laughs> precautious here. Uh, but I, I'm thank goodness he's not hurt. That would have been catastrophic. Uh, but this is the best pitching duo. Noah Syndergaard and Shohei Otani are the best starting pitching duo for the Angels since when? CJ Wilson was paired with somebody. Correct. I think it's a CJ Wilson, Jared Weaver combination in 2012. That team won 89 games. Mike Trout was 20. That's what encourages me here is Syndergaard and Otani could be the best pitching duo, starting pitching duo since that team. And you know why else that team was good? The bullpen was actually good. Uh, They 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 have K-Rod at that time? They did not have K Rod. I actually got to pull up that team now, real quick, because and and we're not talking about the ESPN two alternate broadcast. We're talking about Francisco Rodriguez, oh, yeah. the real K Rod. There's going to be people that grow up, and that's the first thing that they think of is is that K Rod, not yep. the, the actual guy who pitched. Uh, but but out of the bullpen, remember Jason Isringhouse, and he wasn't good for them. Oh yeah, yeah, he wasn't good for them that year. So but the 2012 team. The 2012 team dominated through those two starting pitchers. The 2014 team of the Angels won 98 games, 98 and 64. Starting pitchers were, were about the same. Jared Weaver, C.J. Wilson, Garrett Richards, Matt Shoemaker. Uh, none of them had the dominance of the 2012 duo, but this is what, what made the difference for them. Houston Street and Joe Smith. Yeah. Houston Street and Joe Smith combined for a one 
eight ERA roughly. Street was so good. Rizal Iglesias can be that guy, and Ryan Tapera can be that guy. This could be the best relief duo that they've had. So Dude, I how about Loop? How about Aaron Loop? Aaron Loop as well. So I think this team is the closest thing we've seen to the 2012 slash 2014 Angels, which are the two best teams we've seen since 2010. Uh, and really the only two teams to even sniff the playoffs. They lost in the AL division series three to zero in 2014, but uh, to, to the Royals, the eventual world champions. I, I really, I really like this team. I believe they, they've got some missing pieces still. Like they've, they've got some things to figure out, but yeah. I, I believe in it. And they're off to a pretty darn good start. You remember right before opening day, we said Perry Manassian and the Angels front office aced the offseason. We gave them the only A plus that we gave out because we, we honestly thought that the Angels aced the offseason. And in the early goings, it looks like they did. I'm with you 100%. And I'm really interested to see what kind of moves they make. Uh, I mean, even trimming the fat with, with Justin Upton, who is going to yeah. land somewhere, but just making that decision to prioritize the roster spots. It shows that they're just approaching things differently. They're not just paying guys to pay them. Manassian, he came in there and he said, I'm not just doing this. I'm not just carrying these guys because we gave them bad deals. We're optimizing every roster spot. They use that in the bullpen, the bullpen shortening games, and the combination of Thor and Otani could be really special for them. And Brandon Marsh is a really big glue guy for that lineup. I love what I've seen from Marsh so far. Yeah. Um, all right. These next three teams, we're going to go through rapid fire and then we'll finish with Houston and Seattle. Um, Texas was on the losing end on Sunday. Texas is two and seven. They can swing it, but they cannot pitch baseballs. We knew they were going to be bad this year, right? I mean, so they're bad. we knew they'd be watchable, which is they have a fun middle infield duo. But I mean, this, this, and that's part of the reason why I think Joe Madden was okay with, with walking Seeger. Who are you worried about in the rest of the lineup? You're I think not. that was, I think that's what the logic was there. And one run, if they could limit it to that, they know that they can go get because they can't pitch, as you said. And I mean, they're starting Martin Perez and they're starting guys that, you know, were failures on other teams. This is a buy a year for them, right? Like they know that they just need to get through this year. Then next year they have, you know, Cole Wynn. They'll have hopefully lighter. They'll they have will. some other pieces. They can go sign one more arm. They'll be fine. I can see it coming together, but it's just not happening this year. And, and it could be a, a, a rough year with some talented players, though. So just enjoy it and know it's part of the uh, process here in Texas. You can see the direction that Chris Young is going in. Jack Leiter talked about it in the, in the piece we just put out on him, where he said everybody in the organization can see the direction, but yeah. it takes time to get to the destination. At least they're heading in the right direction, but you know it, it's early. Yeah, Kansas City and Detroit were postponed on Sunday. We'll start with the Royals. Um, Sal Perez is hitting 188, Bobby Witt 156, Witt Merrifield 152, Adalberto Mondesi 148, and Carlos Santana is two for 26. They can't hit. The pitching is bad. The Royals, um, I think they're bottom four in team OPS. I think there are four teams with an OPS as a team under 600, and the Royals are one of them. I also think that they've got one of the higher staff ERAs too. Yeah, I mean, and, and those are the two kind of most important things in baseball, right? Um, two things you got to do pretty well to, to win games. Which of the guys that you just listed are you surprised about struggling? I'm not saying that we would have expected all of these guys to be below the Mendoza line, but who are you truly floored out of the list of guys that you named? Like, you're floored that that guy's struggling. The answer is Whit Merrifield. That's I mean, it. 
that's it. Like Car- Santana through his first eight games, hitting two for 26. Like, oh my God, dude. Mondesi's hitting 148, but Mondesi struggles with bad to ball. Bobby Witt, you got to give him some time. So if he's hitting under 200 in his first eight career games, I understand. And then Sal Perez, listen, he's hitting 188 right now. He's going to get it up to probably like 225, 230, but batting average is not his game. Um, Whit Merrifield's the one that really, really surprises me. And with how bad Whit Merrifield has been, Andrew Benintendi has been good enough. Uh, he's been really good. 357, 438, 464 through you know the, the first eight games. But that's not a guy that's going to carry your offense, right? I mean, even when I read you the slash line, he's he's still not even slugging over 500. He's got a 902 OPS. No, nah, that'd be an insane ask of him. But just an example, if, if somebody's going to try to carry your team, they're going to have to be better than that in the, in the power department. Not happening. But really good to see Ben Attendee swinging it the way he is. Sal Perez is going to get hot. He'll get going. I'm not too worried about him. But Whit Merrifield, a guy who's very – uh, his game's very dependent on his athleticism on the other side of 30. I think he's going to turn it around. I, I don't think age has fully caught him yet, but that is in the back of my mind. You know, at what point is, is what Merrifield may be slowing down. I always thought it was interesting that the Royals never traded him because they could have traded him in 2020 for a haul and a, a half haul. given how cheap his contract is. They wanted to try to compete. They're really far off. I think we're seeing that we talk about not trying to draw too many conclusions through eight games, but it's really hard to imagine a way that this roster could somehow work out being a 500 team this year. I can't really even come up with scenarios. And dude, they can't pitch. And like, I don't know if they're going to be able to pitch for a while. Like the, the, the more this 2022 season rolls on, the more out you can become on Bubich Lynch singer and Coar, And, and we'll see what Lacey does on his way through. He's in double a right now. And that's like your entire senior class graduating and then not going to college, right? Like that was like your whole, everything that you invested in the whole next wave of, of success and the next wave of the quote unquote adults that you stored up and that you, you packed in here and you put time into educating and developing, not figuring it out at the big league level really sets them back here. And they got a lot to figure out now pitching wise, especially because it's going all the way down. Lacey is struggling. Ben Hernandez, another early pick for them has been inconsistent in the early going. Uh, pitching has just been an issue. We've talked about it and it continues to be. Yeah. All right. Seattle, Houston. Let's start with Houston. Houston is five and four. They just got their fourth loss of the year yesterday and a seven, two loss to the Mariners. They ran into the buzzsaw that is Matt Brash. Uh, but Houston Verlander's a gamer, dude. I Verlander, he said he wants to throw until what? 45. And he said he wants right. to win. He wants to win 300 games. Is that right? <laughs> that that's crazy. I I don't know if he can do that. If he does that, he given the state of the game now, he would be, in my opinion, one of the 10 best pitchers of all time, maybe better than that. That's 15 wins a year for the next five years that Verlander yeah. needs to get. The fact that we're not laughing at that. I'm not laughing at it. I'm doing the math right now. And I'm like, this might work because Verlander is who is, is he the Aaron Rodgers of baseball? It's funny. I was, I was kind of saying if he can really do this, but I've been saying it before. He's the closest thing. I think we've ever had to Nolan Ryan uh, since Nolan Ryan, especially with the way the game is trended. You just don't see this. You don't see guys that were throwing 100 at age 24 doing it at age 30 what is he 38 now i think he's 39 
like you don't see that sustainability and he's just, he's special. He's different. And I think he's going to continue to be able to throw. I talked about how the way the timelines worked out that he actually ended up getting a lot of more extra time to come back from that injury, really getting almost two full years. His whole body is ready. You could tell he feels rejuvenated. And I mean, he's a huge, huge piece for them. You assume that McCullers can come back healthy. Framber looks phenomenal. Uh, I really like what I've seen from this team so far. And Jeremy Pena, as I, I talked about from the prospect side early on, even if he wasn't hitting like this, the glove has been so valuable. We knew that would be a case. That would be the case. He can run. He brings a lot to the table, but the bat has been great. He's probably the favorite to win rookie of the year in the early going. And I mean, right now the, the Astros have all the complimentary pieces. They don't even need him to be this good. And he's been this good. They're in great shape. The pitching will keep coming together. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of, of what's going on in Houston. They'll settle in. I mean, they, they had a pretty interesting start to the season, having to play, you know, the angels for four on the road, then going to Arizona for two on the road, then going to Seattle for three on the road. It's just, it's been a little bit of just all over the map for them. So, I mean, I think Houston's going to settle in. They're going to be fine. You think Pena is the rookie of the year front runner over my guy, Quan Sexy? <laughs> yeah. Ah, damn. Okay. Uh, Seattle, let's, let's play the rookie game here. Kelnick is not a rookie anymore. He ran out of his eligibility. Kelnick looks really bad. Julio Rodriguez is still getting acclimated. And Matt Brash looks like Denton True Young reincarnated. So I'll, I'll push back on Kelnick. Yes, he's looked terrible. Watched weirdly one of those days where I was flipping in between, you know, where you just like somehow have it timed up where you just keep getting the same guy hitting every time you switch back over. Yeah, I had yeah. that for Kelnick uh, on Sunday. And um, it was like every time it happened, of course, I want to like watch his at-bats with intent, kind of see how he's seeing the ball. One, his takes were a lot easier. Two, he put a few swings on baseballs on the outer half that were really, really positive for me because we know when Kelnick's going bad, he's trying to pull everything. Yeah. It's an 87 mile an hour change up tailing away. I literally tweeted the video because I was so pumped about it from my personal Twitter. And he let that thing travel and he shot at a hundred and something miles per hour the other way. And not only that, it was one of those that was kind of in the gap, but not really hustle double. Love that from him. He's always given you that. And I think that's why the Mariners are patient with him, but that swing was really telling for me after I was literally just saying, wow, these takes look better. Boom, that swing. Hopefully that's sign, a sign of good things to come. J-Rod also had a good swing today, but I'm less convinced that he's breaking out of this thing. I've talked about it. I mean, only 40-something games above high A. I think it was a really aggressive assignment for him or, or aggressive promotion to the big leagues. He could settle in. He has that star ability. But, I mean, when Kyle Lewis comes back, maybe you got to think about it. Yeah, you got to think about it. I mean – Dude, you called Brash. He, he looked amazing again. He couldn't throw strikes, but when he did throw strikes, nobody could hit it. He's, I saw Eno Saras. Eno Saras is, is doing a new thing called Stuff Plus, where he just, you know, quantifies like the actual nasty stuff uh, in baseball with break and spin and all that. He said Matt Brash, through his first two starts, is the MLB leader in Stuff Plus. Well, I'm assuming that horizontal or vertical movement has something to do with that. And, Both. <laughs> and Matt Brash's horizontal movement on the slider is ahead of anybody else's in baseball. Uh, we've really never seen a slider break that much at that high of a speed. And you can see it by the swing reactions. The problem is when a pitch breaks that much, it's tough to locate for a cold yeah. strike. And if he's not locating the fastball, that's where you get into walking guys. He got four double plays 
that helped him a ton. Um, and, and, you know, that that's a little bit of luck, a little bit of a, a nod to his pitchability. He's here to stay. He's going to have to battle his own command issues from time to time, but huge development for the Mariners. And not to mention, I mean, the offense has been streaky in the early going. There's a lot more for them there. They're only slugging 345. We know the power that this lineup could have. I mean, you, you look at guys so far. Ty France is the only dude really swinging it for, for them right now outside of J.P. Crawford as well. I, I think this team's going to catch fire, and, and I, I'm really expecting them to, to be a force. And the pitching is, is going to be good. I really do think the pitching is going to continue to settle in. Robbie Ray, we had our questions coming into the year, uh, you especially, but he's looked strong in the early going as well. He has looked strong in the early going. Last team for me is the Cleveland Guardians. They were on top of the world offensively. They, they tapered off, obviously, welcming in a really good Giants team to a progressive field. And it, Owen Miller continues to stand on top of his head. Quan is cooling off right now. The pitching, I, I am a teensy bit worried. I thought the pitching was going to be elite from Cleveland this year, and it just looks like it's going to be good. That's, that's the big you know, question mark there, because if the pitching's not elite, then there's not really a recipe to their success. Um, they're not going to hit their way to the top. You don't think Owen do. Miller is going to hit 580 on the year? Uh, yeah, I mean, I actually think Owen Miller could be a good utility guy. I think he can be a decent big league bat. But yeah, of course, he's not going to do what he's doing right now. Um, I do believe in Miles Straw, and I think he's going to be a big piece for them. And they, obviously, they believe in him, too, by extending him uh, the way they did. Uh, but but again, you have Bobby Bradley uh, in the lineup as much as you do. And I mean, today they had Oscar Marcato. They had Clement in the lineup. Like, you're just not going to to win with that Ernie many guys. Clement, like former yeah. Virginia Cavalier. And Fran Moraes has struggled in the early going. So yeah. I, here's the thing with the Guardians. They've got about 20 dudes knocking on the door that could – I mean, it, it's tough. It's a big leap to the big leagues. But we've seen guys settle right in and succeed before. We see guys struggle. They could try, like, four different guys out there. Yeah. Like, we, we could see Nolan Jones up there very soon. We could see uh, Arias. Tyler Freeman up there very soon. We could see Rokio even not that far from now. Gabriel oh, Arias yeah. should be – Gabriel area should be up there now, by the way, the glove is ready at shortstop, but he could play third as well. Like they've got so many guys that can help them and pitching as well. Um, I'm not going to be worried about them. Uh, I'm also very excited to see Logan Allen come up. They've yeah. got some other pieces. Uh, they'll be fine. They've just got to kind of figure out how to mix and match and, and who gives them the best chance for success right now. Cause they're young and they're still trying to kind of move things around. Their AAA affiliate, the Columbus Clippers, have the best record in the International League right now, and they come to Indy for six this week. I will absolutely report back on how Columbus looks. Can't wait. And the Akron Rubber Ducks are probably the best team in, in the minor leagues. We talked about it on the call-up. The Akron Rubber Ducks, the A for the Cleveland Guardians, and the Eugene Emeralds, the high A for the San Francisco Giants, might be the two greatest minor league rosters ever assembled. If they played each other, it would be my Super Bowl. Yeah, I think it would be. <laughs> I would, I would uh, watch right. that. I would watch them play a hundred games. I'm not even kidding. Uh, you got to walk me through the NL now. Uh, start with San Fran because that was the only interleague matchup. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the one interleague matchup. So San Fran, I mean, we knew that this was going to be their recipe to success, right? Pitch and and timely hitting and good defense, and they're doing it right. I will say, I mean, they've they've gone against two of the weaker offenses in baseball. Uh, when we talk about the Marlins, uh, the Padres were not swinging it from the jump. With, with Tatis out of the lineup, they're starting to get there. We'll get to them. And then Cleveland, I know they were a top offense out of the gate, but I mean, they, they scored four runs in three games and, and that's kind of what we know they can be and what they'll kind of fall into. The Giants can pitch. We knew they could pitch. Alex Wood is, is a guy for them. And that bullpen is special. 
I do still worry about the offense, but how good does the offense really need to be, Jack? I don't know. Um, and, and they're hitting the ball out of the ballpark, which I really enjoy. So far, they've played, what, nine games, right? Seven yep. and two. They've got four guys with multiple homers. And that was the recipe last year, right? They had more guys with 15-plus homers than anyone in baseball. They're going to do it again. Joey Bart's got two. Um, <laughs> I'll save you, Joey Bart. What I will say is Carlos Rodon, Taylor's oldest time, looks absolutely elite, borderline, like best pitcher in the National League right now. But who knows how long that'll last? That's the biggest biggest what if kind of thing but what i will say is i'm sold on logan webb i'm sold on alex wood pitching at an above average clip i'm very i'm very sold on that desco fani i'm i'm questioning but if that's your four who cares and the way i look at it alex cobb could end up being that guy leveling up for you and being that four and now you really only need desco fani to be a five then you're fine you're happy cobb's been great with the swing and miss 10 K's in his five innings. I really think that this rotation could sneakily be one of the, one of the more surprising in baseball now that Rodon is pitching at this level. Uh, but I, I really think that the staff is better than I thought it would be going into the year. I do have the questions about the bats, but at the end of the day, Brandon belt's not slowing down. That's the guy in the offense that I think could really make or break them. Because if, if, if belt is healthy, we, we know that in, in terms of OPS, he's been as good as anybody in baseball since the start of 2020. I think he's one of the top five in that department. If he's healthy and doing that, this team might just have enough offense to, to win a crazy amount of games and make me eat dirt. I love it. Next one. You, you got to lead it now, man. I know. I know. We'll go into the next one. I, I like the game that's going on right now that we're missing the broadcast for. Atlanta and San Diego. Because Atlanta – I already can see how they're going to do this thing, man. Like I, I really like the, this Atlanta ball club overall. I know they didn't start off red hot. Uh, they're five and five. We'll see what happens in, in the rest of that game with San Diego. They're currently losing two zero in the middle of the sixth as we record this, but they're about to get Ronald freaking Acuna back. Matt Olson is a huge, huge, huge bat for them. And Oh, by the way, Marcelo Zuna is swinging the bat really well. If he's more like that 2020 Ozuna, this team's petrifying. Okay, so I am quickly falling deeper and deeper in love with Matt Olson each time I watch him play. I think Matt Olson, and we talked about it via text late last week. Like he he's a freaking superstar, dude. He's in the conversation. I think by the end of this year, it could be a guy that we're talking about as the top five bat in baseball, just purely on the bat. I mean, and when we look at production, I'm not sure there's going to be that many guys that are producing more than him, uh, aside from the elite of the elite. Huge development also on the pitching side. Ian Anderson off to a slow start, but he's always a streaky guy with the fastball changeup. Those guys tend to be a bit streaky. Yeah. I'm not worried about Anderson. He's already proven it in multiple postseasons. Good. He'll be fine. Kyle Wright. Kyle yeah, Wright dude. looks great. And I did a little bit of an investigation. He has changed the shape of his curveball and the velo of his curveball. It used to be more of a, a slower bender, and it used to be more of a slurvy pitch, sharper. And another two miles per hour higher. Talk to our guy, Kobe Olsen. He will tell you how much power curveballs are the new wave. Wright's made that tweak. He's throwing the pitch way more, and he's getting almost a 40% whiff rate on it. He already had the changeup in the fastball. Huge for Kyle Wright, who was first-round pick, former top prospect. Not coming out of nowhere. 15 Ks, one walk through his first two starts. Dude. Uh, Yeah, I've had a really good time 
watching back Kyle Wright starts. I that was a guy that I thought it was going to click for because he was, you know, right behind those marquee Vandy arms that we talk about, right? He was right behind Bueller. And not so long ago, Tyler Beatty and Carson Fulmer were good at baseball. So yeah, he was, was right say. behind Bueller, Beatty, Fulmer. He was learning from all these guys. And and Kyle Wright was the next man up. And again, he was a top 10 pick, I want to say 2017. And it, it took a bit, but Wright's stuff was always good. And with tightening up the breaking balls, that makes his stuff great. And if he can locate three pitches on any given outing, he can be lights out. Like, that's who he is. This changes a lot for them. Because Huascar is now healthy. We talk about Acuna, but just on the pitching side, they also have these guys that they kind of fast-tracked to the big leagues. They they drafted dudes that they kind of knew might not be rotation pieces, but could make spot starts get one time through the order, and be interesting swingman Copic types. They've got multiple. Bryce Elder, Spencer Strider, both those guys are now up and helping them. They, they're just doing a good job. Props to Alex Anthopoulos. The Braves are going to be right back in it again. I don't think any of us are going to be surprised, Darren. I don't think they're really missing Freddie Freeman that much on a baseball standpoint. I really don't. I don't think so either. What about San Diego? San Diego, could they use Tatis, man? Dude. Yes. It's really that's the biggest thing. When I watch this team, I'm like, I got to keep reminding myself they need Tatis and how much of a difference that's going to make for them. A Darvish with a big bounce back outing against the Braves, he's just going to be Jekyll and Hyde all year, and that's the thing. But when he is on, he's going to be on for them, and their pitching is just phenomenal. It really is. And now that Mackenzie Gore is is a piece for them that is at the big league level, I love the acquisitions they've made. I love Joe Musgrove. They're going to be fine. I really think that it's going to be a close race between them and the Giants for that number two spot in the NL West. Okay, so quick from me on Gore and Musgrove. First with Gore, I thought Gore, the the fastball looked lively. And last year, the problem obviously was was mental. I think that's been well documented. But also the fastball didn't look anywhere close to as lively as, as what it looks like right now. It's got run and he's pinpointing it right now. Um, what you mentioned watching his start on Friday was he had throwaway pitches, non-competitive pitches. Uh, and he was almost exclusively using his fastball. I think when he starts to implement that slider and the changeup, Gore can turn into a legitimate big league starter. And like that can happen next time he's on the mound. That's the thing is now he's working with big league coaches. More importantly, he has the confidence now. Not only was he good in spring training, he was good in a triple-A start, and he was good in his first big league start. And also knowing that he maybe didn't have his best stuff and still hung in there and still succeeded and went fastball heavy and still succeeded, I think the confidence is back for Gore, even if he does have a bad outing. I think he knows he belongs, which was the biggest thing. That was uh, because. Yeah. Now he trusts that fastball. I saw it. He made a bad pitch. He zeroed right back in and, and went right back into the zone. No nibbling. That's huge for them. Offensively is, is the question, which did you think we'd be saying this about the Padres a year ago, right? Oh, the pitching's fine. Are they going to hit enough? Yes, we didn't think Tatis would be addicted to riding motorcycles. <laughs> but I mean, like Luke Voigt has not been good for them. Profar has suddenly been able to swing it now and has been one of the more, more productive guys. Like Profar can't be your best bat. You know he's going to tail off. It's going to be a huge boost when you swap out Abrams, who's probably shouldn't be up at the big league level for a Fernando Tatis. I think that's going to help them a lot. Uh, but I mean, the offense is, is a little bit streaky for me right now. 
Yeah, it's streaky. Um, I I do got to hit on Musgrove now. I got to hit on Musgrove because like, are you going to laugh at me if I call Joe Musgrove a possible ace? No. I think he looks incredible. I don't I think, think he, I don't think it's crazy at all. From, from from the adjustments he made in Pittsburgh prior to the trade and on, he's been that guy aside from one little bad stretch. He's I, the fastball was jumping in spring training. And that's when I latched on because like the fastball and the way that the slider complements the fastball working off the fastball with a great slider. I said, wow, Joe Musgrove can really put it together. And I feel like Joe Musgrove, every time he's on the mound is going to walk onto the mound, take care of business, walk off. And that's going to happen six or seven times in his start. I think this guy is a quality start. He Bueller, Logan Webb are the three guys in the National League, and they all happen to be in the NL West, that I think are the best and the most surefire quality start candidates out there. Even when their stuff is off, they have so many different ways that they can go, especially Musgrove. He's got so many different pitches and and ways that he can attack you that if it's not going one way, he can go another way. Here's here's why I think the ace thing isn't crazy before we move on to the next team. Here's a question. I know what your answer is going to be. You're playing a one-game wild card. Who's starting for you if you're the Padres? Musgrove. Musgrove, and I don't think twice about it. You know, Darvish is just too, Darvish could single-handedly you, win you that game. He could single-handedly lose you that game. Correct. I don't want to flip that coin. It's going to be Joe Musgrove for me in that situation, without a doubt. Yeah, I think so too. Let's go to the obligatory game so we can fly through it real quick. Uh, Washington Nationals. Um, they played the Pirates. Pirates are five and four. Hey. Pirates are five and four. I'll give yeah. them a little bit more love. Nationals, let's just get it over with. Soto over three, two walks. We're going to see that. That's going to be the worst games, right? We're at 400 on base percentage. Uh, they're just not fun to watch and they're not good. No, they're terrible to watch. Patrick Corbin, like you mentioned, worst starting pitcher in baseball last year among qualified starters in terms of ERA. Um, for some reason, he's got like a two ERA at PNC Park. I wish I knew and that. Washington coughed up a late lead. So uh, shout out the Buckos getting the win 5-3. Yeah, I'm, I think I'm done with the Nats. Like, is Soto? If Adrianza's yeah. in the lineup, obviously I'm in, but that's about it. He wasn't. And Victor Robles is at no 48. So um, I think the ship has sailed there. Uh, the one thing I will say is I'm always rooting for Corbin. Uh, I hate seeing guys struggle after a big contract. I know they got their bag. Why do you feel bad for the guys who got paid? There's, that's a different kind of pressure. So I hope Corbin, cool story too, is a guy from the Syracuse area that didn't really play baseball until he was like a junior in high school and then went the Juco route. Uh, on the Pittsburgh side, I mean, this was not a very exciting lineup, uh, but they're getting the job done. They're five and four so far this season. Jake Marisnik hit leadoff for them today and they won a baseball game. Um, also, Jose Quintana started that game. So yeah. Not much to say on them other than Brian Hayes keeps hitting the ball on the ground, needs to get it in the air, but thank goodness he's healthy. And uh, hopefully we'll see Rowanzi Contreras and O'Neill Cruz soon. Yeah, well, well Rowanzi's in the bullpen, so there we go with, with Contreras. A starter, um, as a starter, please. As a starter, please. The bullpen is exciting. Like, and Aside from Rowanzi Contreras, David Budnar is, is a true bullpen piece that can flourish on any team in Major League Baseball, and he happens to be the closer for the Pirates. I do wonder if they trade him. You know, I, I do wonder because, yes, they want to compete. I'm still a believer if you're rebuilding, maximize assets, sell high on a reliever. If you can get a top 100 guy for a reliever, do it. And I think yeah. they can for Bednar. He's that good. Uh, but start looking at the future. They locked up Reynolds, or not not locked up, but at least they forewent for arbitration for the next two years. They've got him for four. 
They locked up Key Bryan, but I mean, they're not going to be good for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, we'll move on to the Marlins and the Phillies. Cool. Uh, the Marlins are on fire. Um, at four the, and five, they're on fire. <laughs> yeah. At four and five, they are on fire. The offense has been really good. Uh, the last two games, blow out one way, blow out back the other way. And also the game before that, they blew out the Phillies. 7 1 win, 10 3 loss, 11 3 win. Uh, the offense is starting to come together a little bit. I want to get your thoughts on this because their leading offensive guys are two guys that aren't rookies, but might as well be kind of Jared Kelnick type rookies in Jesus Sanchez and Jazz Chisholm. Both of those guys already have two triples. Both of those guys are hitting over 300. Both of those guys have a pair of home runs, and they also have an OPS well over 1,000. Not sustainable, but two potential all-stars, guys that have been viewed as potential all-stars that are coming alive. Do you believe in that young duo being you know, legitimate contributors for the full 162 for the Marlins? They make me nervous but I wouldn't be floored. I think I'd be surprised. It would be a pleasant surprise. I wouldn't be jaw on the ground surprised if they both turned in fringe all-star caliber seasons. Um, We know Jazz can do it. And I think Jesus Sanchez, the bat is good enough. My thing is, you know, constantly hearing about the Marlins from you, I never hear about the pitching. Never, never, never. All I hear about is the offense. That, that's it. Like, that's where Marlins fans' anxiety lies yeah. in the offense. So if you get a little bit of security from young guys in that Marlins offense, that's going to do wonders for your mental health and the rest of South Florida. No, it, it's a good point. I mean, there's a level of taking the starting pitching staff for granted. And, I mean, Eliezer Hernandez turned in six innings of two-run ball, and that's, like, your, technically speaking, like, sixth best, sixth best arm. In a year, he's your eight. Yes. Yes. And he's fine. Sandy Alcantara hasn't been dynamite out of the gate. Still 3-180 RA. Pablo Lopez has been dynamite. Oh, my God, dude. 0.87 ERA in 10 innings. He has been spectacular. And then Jesus Lazardo turned in the best start of his career. Somebody that came on the show, talked to us about what he was working on, really sold all of us on just because you get to talk to somebody you believe in the person. Don't have to be sold on the talent, right? He was a top pitching prospect in baseball for several years. 12 Ks in five innings only walks one, which is the huge thing for Lazardo. He talked about working on the mental side, working on the command. And, and I mean, we saw it in that first start. If he does it again, now this Marlins rotation, where do they stack up, Jack? If you have, and I haven't even mentioned Trevor Rogers is off to a slow start. He'll be fine. He was tipping pitches as Mel Stoudemire, the pitching coach said, where does the staff stock stack up with the rest of the league? If these guys are pitching the way we think they can. Top five. Wow. Wow. With what do you improved- think? I, I'm biased, I think, a little bit on the pitching side. But, yeah, I, I think this staff has the upside of top five because, to me, Sandy is a top 20 starting pitcher. To me, Trevor Rogers, when he's going right, is a top 20 starting pitcher. I think Pablo Lopez, when healthy, is a top 30 starting pitcher. Lizardo has the upside of a guy that's in that conversation. And then Max Meyer is maybe a guy that could be in that conversation. Edward Cabrera could be in that conversation. Eliezer Hernandez could be a high-end five. You, there's just not many teams co- like competing with that pitching wise. No, there, there's no, there's no team that matches the depth and the firepower that Miami has because the top end talent of the Dodgers and the top end talent of the Brewers is probably a little bit better than the top end talent of Miami, but Miami can go nine deep right now. Nobody else can do that. 
No, and, and Meyer went five perfect in his last AAA game, by the there way. There we go. There we go. <laughs> it's crazy. Phillies, on the other hand, um, pitching is, is going to be the question, but the offense has not been that juggernaut yet that we were expecting. The weather needs to warm up. I understand that they were at Miami, but like I, when you give the Phillies a month in June and July, it, you're going to see some crooked-ass numbers. Yeah, they were in Miami, and, and also – it's like, okay, you finally got out of the cold. And now you're in a pitcher's ballpark where all of the Marlins pitchers love to throw. Yeah. Uh, you're going to have some struggles there. The one time that the Marlins established pitcher didn't really throw uh, that well, they put up 10 on him. It was Trevor Rogers who's tipping pitches. So I, I think the offense will be just fine. Uh, they started to come alive late in the series. We saw Harper go yard, Schwarber go yard. How do we feel about the pitching situation? Zach Wheeler got trounced by the Marlins. He'll be fine. but. This is a team that if Noah and Wheeler are not dynamite out of the gate, which both of them have not been dynamite through their first couple starts, who's pitching for you? Uh, I'm worried about the pitching because, again, if Wheeler and Nola are off, if Suarez is off, um, you don't have a bullpen. You haven't had a bullpen for the last decade. So it, I, don't, I, I think it's kind of a wash, and you have to just outscore teams. A lot riding on Kyle Gibson, though he has looked pretty good. In yeah, but is he going to look good for 162? For Is he going to put together 25 to 30 starts of this? He even faded last year, but I think if he gives you what you got from him last year, or I guess what, what he did last year, there's there's some hope. But it, it all rides on Nola and Wheeler, and, and yeah. both those guys have been a bit inconsistent uh, in the early going, and, and Nola was inconsistent last year. Uh, speaking of inconsistent, though, we can go to the Brewers lineup, which uh, it, it stinks, Jack. It freaking stinks. Uh, Arias can't come back quickly enough, but even even Luis Arias is not saving this lineup. It's not good. How do Dude. they how do they make this lineup better? Can they wait it out? Is there a way that this starting nine hits enough? In what world is the predicted division winner? Looking at Luis Urias is the highest impact bat, saying you need him so badly. It's a good way to put it. Yeah, a projected division winner should not need Luis Urias. And Luis Urias is good. I really enjoy watching Luis Urias play, but you shouldn't need Luis Urias to come back from injury that badly. Um, I'm, I'm nervous, nervous for the Brewers. And that's not even getting into the pitching, which has, has been su- probably the most surprising storyline to me in baseball in the early going has been the Milwaukee Brewers pitching. I will say Corbin Burns bounced back and turned in a spectacular second start. Surprise, surprise. But Brandon Woodruff has not looked good. He looks Freddie terrible. Peralta has not looked good. Uh, Ashby looked a little bit better, but even, even he has been a little shaky. Hauser has not looked good. Devin Williams I have not liked every outing I've seen from him. What are, what are we thinking here? Are we worried? I'm not necessarily worried, but I mean, they've got a shove to win games, so they don't have that much time to get it going on the pitching side. Yeah. Pitching is a confidence thing. You and I both know that. And, and it's so easy for that confidence to die away when you have a rough start. So we'll see how they bounce back from a rough start. When do you qualify? This as a rough start. Is it 10 games in like we are, or is it 30 games in? I want to see. I want to see them go around that rotation three times. So I mean, they're, they're so that's what, this their, week. Yeah, I, I I I want to see them get through three times, and and I think at that point you, you have a pretty good idea. I'm not saying they're doomed, but you're like, okay, there's some urgency here. This team is is OPSing six eighteen. 
I mean, you have one guy on your team with an OPS over 800, and it's Rowdy Tellez. Yeah, I, I just don't see how you can score enough runs that way. They're going to have to make a trade. I don't know what it's going to be, but they're going to have to make a move. If they're going to succeed, I really just don't see how else they do it. How, who do they do it with? Ethan Small? Ethan Small. I mean, they could trade a Garrett Mitchell. They could trade a, a Weimer, a Freelick. Not all of them, but but one or two of those a guys. Terang. Terang is a trade piece. They also have, they have some guys that are performing a little bit. I think they could they could find a way to, to to kind of put together a deal and maybe trade away from some of that big league some of the big league pieces as well. Yeah. Uh, how about the Rockies? <laughs> Rockies Rockies can't stop hitting. Our well, guys, we knew, they, we knew they would hit. I mean, we knew this is a good freaking team. We we knew this was a, this was an NL West favorite over here. The second that they Dick Monfort decided to say, you know, let's win ball games now. Yes, um, they're doing it. Uh, Connor Joe, like jokes aside, has been phenomenal. Uh, he has really seemed to settle in and really, I, I think is just, just loves Coors Field. <laughs> so I, I want to pull up Connor Joe's MLB.com page. So I get all of his transactions, right? Um, because I, I think a lot of people um, think that this Connor Joe thing is a, you know, a joke on our end. We're actually in love with Connor Joe. I mean, he, he's, he's somebody with first round pedigree from what was it? San Diego state or something like that. University or, of San Diego. University okay. of San Diego. Connor Joe, um, 29 years old, picked in the first, picked in the first round by Pittsburgh in 2014 out of the university of San Diego, Connor Joe traded by Pittsburgh to Atlanta straight up for Sean Rodriguez in August of 2017, huh. September of 2017 traded by the Braves to the Dodgers for international bonus slot money. December of 2018, drafted by the Cincinnati Reds from the LA Dodgers in the 2018 Rule 5 draft. March 2019, traded by the Reds to the Giants for Jordan Johnson, who is a minor leaguer in cash considerations. April 2019, returned by the San Francisco Giants to the LA Dodgers. 2020, he was released. And then November of 2020, he signed as a free agent with the Rockies. And oh, by the way, this guy in 2020 opted out because he was dealing with testicular cancer. So this guy is a grinder and it's so fun to watch him succeed. And I'll stand by it. We are all witnesses of the Joe show. It's been awesome. And his numbers thus far, 361, 465, 667 OPS. So 1132, or sorry, 1132 OPS. That's the slash line. He's been great. He puts a bat on the ball. He's athletic. He's made some legitimate adjustments too to his swing to kind of incorporate a lot more of his body into it. And it's producing. And also he's in the right spot to kind of have that breakout. Chris Bryant is, is settling in kind of the way we thought he would. Power not showing, but he's taking advantage of those spacious gaps in the way the ball carries. The whole team's hitting. CJ Crone's leading the league with home runs with five. Uh, the only surprise to me on the negative side for this team is that Brendan Rodgers has struggled mightily three for 31 to start the year. I really thought, I still do think that this could have been the, the breakout year for, for Brendan Rodgers. He looked good in the end of last year. If Brendan Rodgers kicks it into gear here, this is a, a team that look, I, I know we joke about them being fun and competitive, but I mean, they can hang around. I think they could be a team that is, especially with their dominance at home, they can hang around. So they're so easy to watch because the top five or six in their order are genuinely exciting. 
Joe, Chris Bryant, Ryan McMahon, Brendan Rogers, even though he's struggling right now, Chuck nasty, still fun to watch. Um, and then how about CJ Crone, who is shitting on the ball? Like you mentioned, always I, it, like that's a kind of fun lineup to watch every day. Imagine if they had John Gray, dude. I mean, that's the thing. Like if they had John Gray now, this is a more interesting team. I don't think they're going to be able to get enough outs <laughs> to, to really be able to hang in there enough, but they'll do it at home. They'll do it at home. And uh, that'll be enough to keep them in that 70 to 75 win range, which is a good outcome for them. And you can kind of see some positivity in the future. Uh, speaking of the future, let's talk about the Reds because we kind of saw oh the future of major league baseball potentially on the mound in Hunter green, who has already thrown more pitches above 100 miles an hour in a single season for a starter. Uh, how many times are we going to hear this stat now? And I already forgot it uh, since what, like 2008? Like we, we have not really seen anybody do anything like this in terms of frequency of ridiculous velo. What I love about Green is the fastballs, one, locating better than I thought it, he would locate it. And two, it's playing better than I thought it would play at this level. And that largely has to do with him flashing the change up a little bit, which I love to see. And also just the spots of it. He looks unbelievable to start his career. Yeah. So I will say, I want to see him start meaningless games because he's going to start a lot of meaningless games. He just threw on Saturday night under the lights at Dodger stadium against yeah. the best lineup in baseball. And we know he's a gamer. Yeah. There's no doubt in anybody's mind that Hunter Green is an absolute gamer. So when the lights are on, he's going to shine. And when the Reds are ready to compete, Hunter Green's going to be one of the guys that's leading you. Um, I, but I want to see him start in mid-July against the Pirates. Uh, absolutely. Um, and maybe the velo is so effortless that it won't be a problem. But I think it's a fair point, right? Because if he's not 101, the fastball profile, if he's 96, 97, he'll get hit a little bit. What was amazing, though, is the way he was locating. You were seeing him getting in on the hands of lefties. You were seeing him flashing the changeup. Even when he missed his spot, they were so geared up for the fastball. But they were spitting on changeups belt high. Uh, so yeah. he, he looks really good. The future of the Reds looks really good. But they're scuffling right now. Uh, they, they caught Cleveland at the wrong time. And then they went to L.A. and lost four. They're not going to be good this year. But at least Reds fans are getting Hunter Green earlier than I think most of us thought they would get him. And there's still a lot of talent on that ball club. Yeah, Cincinnati, um, bottom, are they dead last in the league in Team OPS? And then I think they might be dead last in the league in Team OPS and dead last in the league in Team ERA. Uh, second to last, second to worst Team ERA, um, only ahead of the Texas Rangers. And then looking at Team OPS, doo -doo -doo, the Cincinnati Reds have the worst Team OPS. Yeah, yeah hard to win that way. Uh, Get him back home for a few more games. Maybe we'll see things start to tick up a little bit. Uh, but a team that's kind of the polar opposite is the LA Dodgers. And you ready for the Dodgers to start taking the league by storm? Because it's it's already happening. Yeah, I, I don't think we need to spend much time on the LA Dodgers. Andrew Heaney just looked like Nolan Ryan today. Yeah, and we knew that that was going to happen, I think. They gave him a bunch of money. They gave him 10 mil. You knew that there was something there. Uh, and that means there's a market for him. And I think he's putting it together in an organization that helps take stuff and, and translate it into outs. And he had the stuff and now he's translating it into outs. The most surprising development for me with the Dodgers, which changes not a lot because they're going to be great with or without him, but definitely makes things a bit more rosy. If we're looking at the picture, Gavin Lux, Gavin Lux looks one phenomenal, two confident, uh, which uh, another player that you could kind of see defeated out there at times 
nine games so far. He's hitting 324, 55, 560, but he looks confident. He's impacting the game with his speed. He's impacting the game kind of all over. That makes this lineup as, as deep as any we've ever seen. It was already that way, but now Gavin Lux being good in the mix there, it's now in the unfair territory. You can't have Lux and Bellinger suck at the same time. Only one of them's allowed to suck at one time, and, and now it's Bellinger's turn and Lux is good. And by the way, Bellinger's coming alive a little bit. Teensy bit. I'm not ready to call it coming alive yet. 726 OPS all of a sudden. It's, it's all of not, a sudden. It's not disastrous. And he did put on some good swings, two hits off of Hunter Green uh, on 101, sending it back around the other way. So there, there's some signs, some glimmers of but that's hope another there. gamer. What? Bellinger. He's another but gamer. He, he always rises to the occasion. He always does rise to the occasion. Am I missing any other teams? Did we get everybody? Um, you're missing the Mets in Arizona, and then we got to hit St. Louis. We can fly through uh, Arizona and St. Louis, but I do want to talk about the Mets for a little bit. Arizona yes. sucks. That's fair. Uh, St. Louis, pretty solid. What do you think of St. Louis? Well, one, first of all, very excited to see Pujols go yard. That might be the hardest hit ball I've seen from Pujols since he played in St. Louis. Yeah. That ball was crushed. He looks good. He looks rejuvenated. How about Arenado having his out-of-body experience? That is also really huge because here's the thing. This is, that's just not a hot start. Arenado might just be having a big year. I, I think we'll slow down. We'll see what happens. But there's enough to believe, whoa, what if Arenado is just going to have that monster offensive year? Now, his second year away from the altitude, getting used to pitches moving differently, having a full offseason to adjust away from course. Now things look different. The story hasn't changed, though. The pitching is a problem. And I think today was the latest, or Sunday was the perfect example. You're playing a bad Brewers offense. You can't keep them under six runs. And it's just going to be hard when you're, these are the names that went on Sunday, Daniel Hudson, TJ McFarlane, Jordan Hicks, Drew Verhagen, and then Cody Whitley. And Hicks looked not good. And they were talking about that guy starting. I think he still is Tuesday. We'll see how that goes. I could be wrong. The pitching is, is in trouble though. Matt's did look good against the Matt's looked really good, but against Milwaukee, Milwaukee was Milwaukee. I was it. Yeah. He looked really good. Um, Look, the offense is going to be good. I'm not worried about that. They're going to be just fine. But another team that's going to have to hit a lot or go acquire an arm. And I just don't like having to worry about my team's success riding on the success of Miles Michaelis and Steven Matz. Yeah, 100%. Um, speaking of Steven Matz, uh, saved the best for last. Shout out Chris Longo and Adam Freifeld, the New York Mets, 7-3. I mean, they look great. <laughs> they look so good, dude. They look, they look good. so good. Lindor uh, looks all the way back. Yeah, Lindor, he looked all the way back in spring training, and he looks all the way back now. They're, they're pitching, I think, one of the biggest developments, if we're talking about X-Factors for each team. Carlos Tyler Carrasco? McGill. Oh, Tyler McGill, but also Carlos Carrasco, dude. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But Tyler McGill is throwing 100. And he's like Tyler McGill. Now, if he's a dude, this offense, could you see a scenario where, I mean, the Mets are the second best offense in baseball. Behind Toronto or third, I guess it would be behind the Dodgers in Toronto. Dodgers, Toronto, 
and Colorado. <laughs> um, <laughs> but is there a scenario where, where the Mets could overtake the even the Blue Jays in terms of offense? I think you go around the diamond. Catcher is a weak spot for them. Nito and McCann. Okay. But first, P. Alonzo is, is a masher. He can hit 45. He can hit 50 this year. He can be Second, closer to Vladdy than people think. Exactly. Second base, who are we looking at? We're looking at I, I, Cano's been DHing for them, right? McNeil. McNeil can hit. McNeil can slap it around. Lindor is all the way back. McNeil's been hitting really well for them so far. Is he? He's sitting 367. How about that? Okay. How about third? Um, Eduardo Escobar right now. But yeah. Brett Beatty, Mark Vientos could come up and help. Vientos. Vientos is ahead of Beatty, right? Yeah, uh, presumably so, uh, if yeah. he can continue to hit. And, and then, I mean, Nimmo hasn't even been swinging it to the total degree that he can, and he's getting on base at a 429 clip. And you got Canna and Starling Marte. Marte has been good, too. Uh, this offense could be up there with anybody's. And you've got J.D. Davis off the bench. You've got Cano really off the bench. You've got a bunch of other pieces, potentially, that could come out and help you. And then Chris Bassett, by the way. Yeah. Well, I, I, Chris Bassett, I'm not surprised 1%. I think he's going to be really good. But if McGill and Bassett are, are this good, which they could be, I'm pretty sold on what we've seen. And then not to mention Carrasco, they already have Scherzer. If they get that DeGrom guy back. I mean, the, the, the recipe is here. This team's insane. And now Francisco Alvarez might even be a guy that could throw his name into the hat as a bat. I still think it's too early. But we're, we're seeing him make a joke out of double-A pitching. And Buck Showalter is the guy as the skipper. Uh, I think we've already set the record for like longest JB show ever. So this this was Have a blast. Really? I oh man, I think we're at like an hour and a hour thirty five, hour forty right now. No way. I think so. Oh geez. Yeah. Okay. All right. We we got to say bye. Peter and I have top five DHs tomorrow. We're also going to recap Monday's games. So thanks, guys. We'll talk to you tomorrow. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.